Unbelievable. I, uh, so this is a great weekend, I think, for OB Joyful in general. A lot of good things happened Friday night. We had a men's event. A bunch of you guys were there. It was really fun. Lots of good food, good time. Uh, and then the next morning, a few of us went over to uh, help a woman, uh, a widow, down in Gunny, and we painted her living room and some other parts of her house. And so uh, I went down, and w- one of the things that I've learned, I-, I learned this as a child, and well, and then I, I seem to relearn it, is that if, if you're going to give out some medicine, you need to be willing to take the medicine back. Do you see where this is going? Uh, so I, I'm with some, my friends there, and uh, I think it would be hilarious to say to my friend uh, who's from South Africa, um, hey, it's, it's like two in the afternoon. Is that about the time when you go out and like feed the giraffes and lions in your backyard? I thought that was really funny and clever, and I thought it's going to be a great laugh. Uh, and Mitchell goes, he goes, well, you know, Scott, when I came to America, I asked my dad, do you think people will really ask me if I have like a giraffe in my backyard? <laughs> And his dad goes, he goes, yeah, my dad said, yeah, some people will, the dumb ones. <laughs> so it's kind of like I give this alley-oop to him, and he's like, just uh. So anyway, you know, I continue at my advanced age to learn the same lessons over and over again. Thank you, Mitchell, for that. Yeah, Mitchell has a spot right up in that area. Yeah, we've, um, we're starting this new series. I'm excited about it in the Gospel of John. Uh, John is the fourth, if you want to flip open, you find it, the fourth book of the New Testament. Uh, he's one of the 12, you know, the guys who follow Jesus most closely. And uh, his gospel, the, his, the gospel means good news. It's the good news book that he wrote. This thing is uh, something where he takes just a series of narratives, little uh, incidents in the life of Jesus, and he lays them out through all this three-year period. He doesn't start back at, at Jesus' birth. He, he's just right in the ministry time. And, and when he does that, he, he, he wants us to see into each of those different uh, anecdotes, each of those stories, each of those things that happened, and through that, lead us to get to a point where we will believe. That's the point of the whole thing. And, and I think uh, Carrie shared a little bit about that with you earlier. We're going to do uh, the book of John in two parts. This is the first part, which will go into the summer sometime. And then we'll start up again in uh, probably January or February and finish the second half of the book with um, around Easter time, right around in there with the, the cross and the resurrection. There's a point at which uh, things are going have been going really well for Jesus and his popularity is growing and his followers are uh, being attracted to him. And then he raises Lazarus, and that's right around chapter 12, and then everything goes south from there. And he's headed towards the cross, and that's where we're going to cut it off. So we're going to get up to Lazarus, and then in the, in the winter, uh, we'll start to head towards uh, the cross and, and the resurrection. So that's how we'll break, break it up. Uh, so look forward to that. I'm, I'm excited about it. And this, this uh, passage in John 20 where John gives the whole idea of why he writes the book. I'm going to just read it one more time, just as this is the beginning of our, our series here. John 20, 30. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in the book. These aren't all the stories. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's a pretty awesome purpose. That's a high-level thing that he's writing for and a really amazing... I'm just so thankful for the book and to understand that that's what he's trying to do. So we can take that filter, those glasses, and go back and look at all of it and see how he's building this argument, why he's telling us each of these stories as we go. 
But the thing about that is, in, in uh, John 20, it's right after the story of, John, of uh, doubting Thomas, or we call him, right? He's the guy who saw Jesus put in the grave, and he said, I'm not going to believe until I actually feel the, the marks in his side, where they shoved that, you know, that, that spear in his side, or put my fingers in his hands where those uh, stakes went in there, or his wrists, or wherever. And, and so Jesus meets with his disciples after the resurrection. He's alive again, and he says, he goes right to Thomas. He says, Thomas, feel this. Look at this. And Thomas believes. And what's right after that whole thing, of this, this thing where, where Thomas says, you're, you are, you're the son of God. I believe. Right after that uh, is this passage. And I think it has a lot of impact for us. It's, it's John twenty twenty nine. So right before um, our, his theme, it says, Jesus said to Thomas, he says, have you believed because you have seen me, touched me. Blessed are those, us, who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's where, that sets John up to tell us what his purpose is. We're, we're not going to see, touch Jesus. We're not going to see him physically. But Jesus does this and, and uh, John is retelling these stories so that we would believe. And there is a universal struggle to believe. Okay, it doesn't matter where you are spiritually. Uh, you might be somebody who is just saying, I'm not, I'm not sure about who Jesus is. I don't know if I can believe this. I, don't, I read or see these things or I see Christians. I'm not sure. I'm reading the Bible, but I understand. And I don't know if that's some of you. I, I hope some of you are trying to figure out who Jesus is and understand that. I want to encourage you to do something, if that's you. And, and you really... This is one of the most helpful things I've found in, in processing uh, this movement towards knowing Jesus is to, to, say, to take kind of a spectrum or a continuum and say, this is, this is crossing the line of faith over here. This is where I say, yes, I believe that he's the son of God. I need a savior and his death pays the price for me to be reconciled with the God of the universe. That's that crossing line of faith. I'm, from there all the way back to, I don't believe that there is any kind of God at all. I don't believe anything. So there's this, this spectrum. So the question is, where are you? Where do you fit in that? And if you, if you can put yourself in there somewhere, you can actually see how far, and you can, like, I'm pretty close, or I'm like right on the edge, or I'm really far away, right? And it's sort of helpful, especially as we look into what we're going to talk about today and in the book of John in general. So where are you in that? And the other thing I would ask you to do is to say, well, wherever you are, let's say you're right here, you're three quarters of the way, and you're, you're close, you can see, you know, stepping over the line of faith, it's like a possibility for you. Well, what are the barriers? What are the specific things that you're struggling with? What are you, what are you dealing with? And identify those things. Instead of a big wall of, I don't know, I'm just so, just don't get it. Well, spend the time, I mean, if, if this, is, this is true, it's the most important thing that you could ever deal with. So it'd be worth spending the time to figure out where you are and then take that apart and say, what are the problems I'm having and, take, and deal with them one at a time. So just want to throw those thoughts out to you if you're someone who is seeking and, and going to be walking through us with, in the book of John. If you're someone who has crossed the line of faith, somebody like me, well, you're going to have times where you're like, man, I am struggling with my faith. And I don't know what you think uh, it is for me, but I'll tell you honestly, like when I sometimes think I'm going to have to stand up in front of people and say, there is a God you cannot see and he loves you and he died for you. Well, that's a big thing, right? 
And when I'm having a personal struggle with my, my faith or something's happening in the world or my life and, and I'm, I'm having a hard time spiritually, I'm having a hard time believing, it is really important for me to uh, find that space where I am uh, move towards belief again. And that's what this book does. We, we are all going to struggle with belief. And John is writing this to help us wherever we are. All of us are going to struggle. And many of you are struggling even right now. Why is this happening in my life? God, where are you? Jesus, this is for real. You know, I'm trying to figure this out. We have all of these questions. So, uh, we all want to move forward over these hurdles. And that is the purpose of John's writing. And that's what we're doing. That's what the whole title is about. So that you may believe. We're learning this so that we may believe. And here's what I want to ask you to do uh, as we're studying, as we're walking through today in particular. We're going to be looking at uh, a narrative of the first followers of Jesus, the first people who followed him. So what did they do? What happened in their life? And I want, I want you to walk through that with them and, and consider the steps that they took and how they apply to you in encouraging you in your belief so that you may believe. This is a story to help you and I believe. So, if you will, let's read it together. This is uh, John 1, 35. It's not the very beginning of the book, but it's one of the first things that happens. So, here we are, 35. The next day, again, John. Now, this is John the Baptist that he's talking about. So, John is writing about John the Baptist. And you guys remember John the Baptist. He's the guy specially designated by God to point to Jesus. He's one of those big, he's kind of a flamboyant character in in the Bible, in the New Testament. So, the next day, John, the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. So, two guys that were following him, that were listening to his teaching, that were uh, watching for Jesus or the Messiah to come. And he looked, John looked at Jesus as Jesus walked by, and and John said, Behold the Lamb of God. So, John, the Baptist, is intriguing these guys by saying that is the Messiah. This is the one that I was born to point to. If you're following me, I'm pointing you to this guy. And the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, like John has like three of these in here, just just in case we weren't sure. What... Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him the whole day, for it was about the tenth hour. It was the morning. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. So there's two guys that follow him. Andrew's one of them. And Andrew was uh, Simon's... Let me make sure I say that right. I might need my glasses today but I'm going to try to make it through this. One of the two who heard Jesus speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother. He went out and found his brother and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him. And he said, you are Simon, son of another John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Okay. And we're going to take that apart. Four things that I want you to see. These steps that these, these first followers of Jesus take. They look, ask, 
visit and act. Look, ask, visit, and act. And what's really cool about this, I noticed, is that um, this should take you back to your childhood, at least all you guys, because that's the, the first letters spell lava. And lava is the universal thing that kills you on the playground. <laughs> lava. Look, ask, visit, and act. Okay, so now you've got it. Bam, it's in there. All right, let's talk about this idea of looking. And I just want to say, I mean, we've got to take a proactive step. If you're thinking about believing or you're struggling with believing, you have to take a proactive step. This is the most important thing in your life if it's true. So take a proactive step and look into Jesus. Why would we not? If we're struggling in any of these things, why would we not do that? In John refers to this, but I want to give you an illustration. I think it's really important to listen to a trusted friend when you're going to engage in seeking after Jesus. Find someone who can help you seek Jesus, wherever you are. And I, I just, I want to share with you something that has been, uh, I've been here almost four years now, I guess three and a half, and um, whenever I am struggling with my faith or a decision or something in leadership, um, Believe it or not, every now and then there are struggles in leadership in a church. I don't know. Um, I don't only work on Sundays. And so I'm, I'm struggling and there's a, a faith issue or something. Well, I invariably will call Jim Coons. And uh, when I call Jim, he always points me to Jesus. Every time. And if you've been spending time with him, that's what's going to happen. And he's going to pray for you. And he's going to put you on that course where you're looking at Jesus. He's not going to say, look at me, listen to me, I know, do it my way, or anything like that. He just doesn't ever say that. He'll say, okay, let's look at Jesus. We, we, we need to find those friends around us that we can trust, like John the Baptist, who was pointing his disciples to Jesus. He says, look, that's the guy. That's the one. Look at him. So that's where he starts. He says, it, he says um, I want you guys to look and I want you to check Jesus out on your own. I'm not going to tell you all you need to know about him. I just want you to go check him out. So that's what they do, right? They, they follow Jesus from a distance. And I, I picture this scene, you know, it's a, some kind of um, old uh, Middle East city, right? Or a large town. So there are these, these uh, buildings and a lot of dust and no concrete or anything like that, animals and people everywhere. And uh, it's almost like a, a detective TV show, right? You know, somebody's being followed and there are the people back behind and around. But there's no, like, glass for, for Jesus to see him in the, in the mirror and reflect and see him back there because they didn't have that, those windows at that time, by the way, just in case you weren't aware. And so, uh, <laughs> um, you know, they're watching to see who he interacts with to see what he says, what he does. They're see, looking at him from a distance like that. And y'all, the book of John is just exactly that thing. I want to encourage you to take the book of John while we're, we're doing this and just read through it. It's super easy to read. It's easy Bible reading. Uh, check it out. Just read through there and, and see how, how close you can get to seeing what Jesus is really like. I grew up in Dallas, as many of you know. Dallas is a city that's just a little ways uh, back to the east and south from here. And uh, Dallas has a, a team called the Mavericks. And so from time to time, I would go to a Mavericks game, but I'm super cheap, so I'd buy like the tickets that were way up in the nosebleed section, mostly watch the game on the big screen. Right? And except 
One time, somebody gave Claire and I courtside tickets. It was awesome. I'd never done that before, except when I was playing basketball, but it's different when they're the pros. And so we got down the floor, and we're right there, right in the game, right with the players. They're right beside us. I know some of you have done that. It's amazing. You know, it's a whole different world down right in there. And now that's what John is doing. He's writing so that you can feel it, believe it, know it, experience it, and get right in there and see this thing happening. And that's what these guys are doing. They're walking right behind Jesus to see what happens with him in the real world. So what I'm encouraging you to do is read John, and let's go through this together so that we're getting a good look at Jesus. So look, the first word of lava. Look at Jesus. Get a good look. The second thing is to ask I think it's kind of funny to think about this scene because at some point in this walk where these guys are following Jesus, he turns around and catches their eye and, and they realize, okay, we're caught, you know. So Jesus goes back to them or they come up to him and he, he says, uh, uh, well, let me, let me point out too that these guys are probably stood out a little bit because Andrew, we know for sure, he's a, he's a fisherman, right? And so Andrew is not a wealthy guy. He probably, you know, they don't have like the, Hygiene, you know, that we have today might be smelly. I don't know. But anyway, also, they were followers of John the Baptist. And if you know anything about John the Baptist, he's like not a fashion example. Okay? This guy is off, off the chart. He's not a, a, somebody you want to follow in that. And, you know, total uh, lives in, in the woods kind of a guy. So when, uh, when they're probably standing out. And so Jesus comes to them, these imperfect guys, and, uh, and he turns to them, and I, you know, I, we know from the whole Bible that Jesus has pretty good senses. You know, sometimes he'll be like, I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking without me even seeing you or anything. Well, Jesus, of course, knows that they're behind him. So he goes back, and, and he's, he's talking to them, and, and uh, he says, this is verse 28, uh, 38, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? So if you were to read this in another translation, it, it might say, what do you want? And I, I think there's a, two levels to that, that question that he's asking them. One is, okay, why are you following me? What do you want from me? Just right here, right now, what can I do for you? Why are, what are you seeking from me, Jesus? So he's asking them that. But the next thing I think he's asking at the same time is, what is it that caused you to seek me out? What do you want that has caused you to seek me, to follow me around in this town? Right? There's sort of a a real practical right then, and then there's a, a more uh, spiritual thing that's happening at the same time. And it's, it, I think it's funny because their response is, to me, just so odd. So Jesus says, why are you following me? What do you want? And then and they're like, they're like, uh, uh, you know, what, you know they're, they're looking at each other like, what are we going to say? Right? Because they say this really strange thing. Uh, where are you staying? You know, I mean, it's not like, what are they going to learn from that? How much is it going to help them? You know, where are you staying? That's what we want to know. You know, so then Jesus is like, oh, okay. Um, why don't you come with me? But I mean, they're standing face to face with Jesus. This person they've been anticipating and it's been, he's been talked about through history and John's finally pointed to him. And, and they say, when they got this chance, what they say is, where are you staying? It's kind of odd. <laughs> but he says, well, all right, uh, why don't you come with me? Well, he, one of the most famous quotes in the book of John 
is one where, he, where Jesus says, um, seek the truth and the truth shall set you free. Jesus invites our questions. He, he invites them to ask a question of him. Do you see? He's asking them to say, what do you want? What is it you're looking for in me? What is it, what's going on? How, what do you need to know? And I think that's where this makes sense to me, and I hope it makes sense to you wherever you are on your spiritual journey. Because we have questions like, Jesus, are you real? I know a lot of you who are Christians and have been Christians for a long time have then come to a point and said, Jesus, I don't know. Are you real? That's a tough question when you based your life on something and then to question, to question it in your heart. I think he wants us to ask. There's, there's no place where, where we see Jesus not wanting people to ask. And he invites that. In fact, we just studied the Psalms, and that's a whole bunch of questions to God. Why? Why are you letting this happen? Why is this happening in my life? This is causing me not to believe. I'm suffering. Whatever your question is, what I, what I encourage you to do is think about it, write it down, and then ask. Ask Jesus, what is it? Talk to him. And that's how we get to this next point. So we look and ask, but then visit. And I, literally, that's, that's what I mean, visit, talk. Look at, uh, look at verse 39. It says, uh, they say, where, well, where are you staying? That was their profound question for Jesus. And he says to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where Jesus was staying, which is no doubt not very impressive. And they stayed with him the whole day for it was about the 10th hour. So they showed up late in the morning and stayed there the whole day. And that's where this, they have this conversation with Jesus. Now, I just can imagine the, after he confronts them and says, what do, you, what do you want? What are you following me for? Then they're going to walk to this place together, right? Through the crowds and through the people. That must have been a pretty cool thing. Can you imagine just walking with Jesus? They're just chatting. Where'd you get those sandals? You know, did you see the Olympics? Stuff like that. You know, whatever. I guess it was always like the Summer Olympics. I don't know. But they're, they're having these conversations. You know, what do you talk about? And, they, and they, um, they're walking through. This is the Jesus that John is presenting. Right? Just a common, ordinary man who talk, talks to these guys who probably weren't very attractive or, and definitely weren't educated on the street. Right? And invites them to come home with him. Here's the thing, y'all. If you're a Christian, I'm, I guess I'm talking to you now. We've created this space where it's really hard for someone who's trying to explore who Jesus is to actually get a good view of him. I was, uh, I was at lunch with Nate. Thank you for staying awake, Nate. Still there? Yeah, it's like, what? what? Where am I? <laughs> um, we were over at the brick. And so some of you know, I, I get the salad bar when I go to the brick. And so part of my process at the brick is to build a gravity-defying salad bar plate, right? Come on, people. So, you know, you're, you're building this thing that looks like, a, it looks like a cake. 
and I'm, I'm creating it, and I hear this guy talking right there by the window. You guys know what I'm talking about. And so I'm starting over by the salad, and he's talking about a trip that he just went on, and he's, during the trip, he went to church. And he hadn't been to church in a long time. I'm just hearing bits and pieces of this. And he says, but I didn't have, um, I just had like my tennis shoes and some jeans or something. And he said, I felt too guilty to go to church without decent shoes. So I went to the, to the store and I spent a bunch of money and got these shoes. And about, about that time, I kind of lost, I couldn't really hear it because I was all the way at the, at the croutons. And it was like, you know, you can't really like, I'm going to go over and talk to him. I, I didn't feel like doing that. But um, it, somehow, it, we all know how it happened, but the church and Christians have gotten some people to the point where we think that we're not going to go uh, be with Jesus or learn about the real Jesus because we've got to clean up before we get to t- spend time with him. And that is just so wrong and pathetic. I, just, I, have this dream, I have this dream, especially in our town, that, that, that we would not inhibit the view of people who want to see Jesus. That if, we're, if you're a Christian and we're inhibiting that view by people getting any kind of message like that, man, we have got to stop that. Okay? By being authentic, by telling the truth, by, you know, being messy, it's okay in life because... We, we wouldn't even know Jesus if we weren't totally broken and needed a Savior. And, and this is the Jesus that John wants everyone to see. This guy that's just walking with these guys and talking, and they go and they hang out all day. They just hang out together. Because they didn't have Nintendo or TV or anything to do but just sit there and talk. So they just visited, they obviously just visited together. So how do we visit with Jesus? I think you would not be in this room, regardless of where you are spiritually, if you didn't have some concept of the idea of talking to God, if it didn't somehow happen in your life or you think or feel or know intrinsically that you can have a conversation somehow with the God of the universe. It's, some, it's sort of built into us. And as we walk more closely with Jesus, we learn that we actually can have a true conversation not, not, he's not necessarily going to speak into our head or something, but with the word of God, with friends speaking with us, by spending time just listening and meditating on the word of God, by talking to him, we have a conversation with him. By asking him questions and just putting those things out there, I'm, just, I'm encouraging you to visit with Jesus. That's what these guys do. I'm, I'm trying to follow the path of these first followers of Jesus. So they look, they see him, they kind of look at a distance, they see what he's doing, and then he confronts them. They ask him some questions, they get together and they're friends, they talk, and they have this conversation. So look, ask, visit, and finally act. So this is where I'm talking to those of you who are believers, who you know, have crossed that line of faith at some point in life. If you do believe, y'all, we got to do something, okay? Warming a seat in church is not following Jesus. That's great, okay? It's a start and it's part of the deal, and we're together for fellowship, but it's not following Jesus. In fact, I think there's this, uh, this thing that happens to our belief when we're not engaging it, we're not doing anything about it, when Sunday is, is our Christian life, where what we're, we're not in the game, we're not practicing, we're not enjoying that, that relationship with him, and so unbelief becomes easier and easier and easier for us. And we drift from that place of belief. We're like, I'm not really sure anymore because I'm not a part. That happens with everything. It happens spiritually. So here's what Andrew does. Andrew just, 
gets up and he goes and tells his brother. He told someone. That's what he does. Now, he doesn't have like training in how to talk to people about Jesus, right? This is day one, okay? Day one. Like, it sounds like it's that afternoon. He goes and finds his brother. There's something really important about telling people that you know Jesus. What's really cool about it is, especially in our society, if an intellectual tells you you can't believe in Jesus, they're going against everything that they believe, right? Because they can't say you you can't believe something. So it's okay to say, hey, you know what? I believe in Jesus. There you go. Go with it. And let it be between them and God. There's something about telling people that you believe in Jesus and just putting it out there. I don't know if y'all know Whitney yet. She's been here about a year. Man, one thing about Whitney is that she just talks about Jesus wherever she is, loud. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You guys, you hang out with her. She's like talking loud about Jesus, like in public places. And you're like, oh man, can you do that? And uh, she does. And it's confirming to me. I'm like, wow, awesome. It's so great to hear somebody who just talks about Jesus in front of other people. It's okay. When we do that, it's just this practice that helps us engage our faith and our belief. And that's exactly what Andrew does. He just goes and he he tells his brother, and, and that's all it says. He just says, Simon, I found the Messiah. Well, the next thing, you know, we read is that Jesus and Simon are talking, and Jesus says, you know what, Simon? I'm going to call you Peter. You guys familiar with Peter? You may not be a great disciple. You may not amount to much in the world, but you might tell somebody who really does. I'm super glad that Andrew talked Peter to Simon because now we have Peter, the most volatile, crazy, up-and-down, messy follower of Jesus that there was. But man, I'm encouraged by that guy because he was so broken and messed up and said such crazy stuff in public. Um, this, this is the Jesus that John wants to introduce us to. So wherever you are spiritually, this is just a great opportunity in the next few weeks to believe and to consider that and to go deeper into that space with, with your Savior or consider him as your Savior. I'm going to pray that we will do that and then we'll head out of here. God, may we... Uh, May we look and uh, we ask you the questions we've got to ask. Where we want to, we know that you are want to be trans, want us to be transparent with you, um, and deal with the things that we're that we're struggling with because you care. And Lord, I pray we just have a conversation. We would engage, and uh, and Lord, I pray for those of us who do believe, God, that we would act and we'd experience. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it's sad. We'd, we'd experience belief. Uh, thanks for my friends that are here today to, together to, to look at this, to, to talk to you, and to sing to you. Lord, let us uh, glorify you in, in the beautiful day we have ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys have a wonderful afternoon. And see you later. Thanks for finding out.